Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to another Capstan video and podcast from Fantasy Football Scout. It's double game week time again. It's t- This time it's a biggie. There's 14 teams playing twice and there's certainly no shortage of captaincy options. My name is Joe and joining me is David to look at the best armband options for double game week 26. David, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Uh, we're at a limbo stage while we're recording this, so I can't actually tell you how my captaincy went last week completely. Uh, we, I, I was on Bamford um, we recording this before the Southampton game kind of hoping that I get something there because the Wolves game really didn't go how we would no. have hoped um, but as I said last week last week's double game week in my opinion was uh, somewhat underwhelming compared to what you know we could, could uh, hope to expect and here we are now with the bumper double game week 14 teams playing twice considerably wider pool of captain options uh, yeah. which is which is quite nice and um the way the poll's going at the moment, perhaps not uh, how I was expecting it to go. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for some Ooh, okay. strong differential captains. So, so to timestamp this, this is uh, Tuesday morning. So this is ahead of uh, the Leeds um, Southampton game, which uh, rounds off game week 25. So it's game week 26 we're looking at. So is the poll up already for the uh, for the captaincy for game week 26? Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. I can uh, let, let you know how mm. things are at the moment. So uh, Harry Kane is currently oh, top okay. of the poll with 34% backing. Uh, Bruno Fernandes in second place with just 15.4%. Oh, okay. And Ilkay Gundogan is currently on course for a bronze medal in okay. this race. So there's plen- plenty of opportunity for differentials, especially if uh, the Mourinho Spurs turns up. And by turns up, I mean doesn't turn up <laughs> in an attacking <laughs> sense. Um, so yeah, lots of options there. So what I'm going to put up is, um, I'll put up on from our season ticker, I've put up from Fantasy Football Scout here. This is the Gaming 26 fixtures, but sorted in terms of difficulty. So by this, I'm, I, I think it's fairly safe to say we should be targeting for the captaincy teams at the top of this table, the bluer side of it. So the teams with good fixtures, and we'll talk about these in more detail in a bit, is Tottenham, they're Burnley and Fulham, Everton, Southampton and West Brom, Villa, 
have Leeds and Sheffield United and Crystal Palace have Fulham and Manchester United. Now, they're the ones at the top. I'm not saying captain a Villa asset because Jack Grealish is probably not available for at least one of those matches. Um, Crystal Palace is Crystal Palace, but we'll come to them a bit later in terms of some of the teams that are facing them, in particular Manchester United. But much lower down that list, um, you do have Manchester United, Chelsea they've got and Crystal Palace. Liverpool have a double so Salah is an option but he's got Sheffield United okay that's good but then Chelsea and we know the Chelsea defence is really good at the moment Man City have West Ham and Wolves at home and I don't think those fixtures are in question but it's possible rotation they're playing twice a week for quite a long period and so um, there are rotation fears there and that's not what you want in the captaincy over the years I don't know about you, David, but I've been burnt many times by captaining a City asset. Um, oh, yeah. Let's have a look at um, the top asset, though, um, in terms of the captaincy poll. So this is who most readers of Fantasy Football Scout at the moment are favouring. And that's Kane. Um, great fixtures on paper. But are they? And is the Spurs asset really the best bet for the captaincy this week? So then we've got the fixtures up there. Burnley, Fulham. Um, and as we talk, I'll, I've got some expected goal involvement stats I'll put up in a sec. But yeah, just firstly, Kane or perhaps Son, best captaincy options? So, so this, is, this is what I was referring to when I said I was quite surprised by the result in mm. the poll. People have watched Spurs. Well, I mean, I state, well, maybe they're not. Maybe that's why they've all voted for them. I, I, for me, I just, I don't, I just don't understand the the clamour for for Kane here. No. I mean, I, I get it from a nostalgia perspective. I get it from, well, not even nostalgia. That's the wrong, completely wrong mm. word to use. Because at the start of the season, he was fantastic option. He was providing goals and assists. But mm. of late, I really just, I just don't trust Spurs to do the the job. And the thing is, the the fixtures on paper, as mm. you say, do look nice. But both Burnley and Fulham are very capable these days yeah. of chucking everyone behind the ball, knowing full well that mm. Spurs are having problems breaking people down if they don't ask them any questions themselves. And both of these teams will take a point against Spurs. So they're not going to overstretch themselves, I wouldn't suggest, to go and win the game. I mean, over the last four matches, uh, Burnley have the best, the third best expected goals conceded in, in the league, so 3.18. The only two teams better than that mm. are Chelsea and Man City. Fulham are in the top five. 3.23 goals they should have conceded and they've only actually conceded the one goal mm. um, th- their defence is doing much better as well and they've both got fantastic goalkeepers too um, so I, I, for me the fixtures like they, 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 I guess they look good on paper from a perspective of mm. oh they're in the bottom five yeah. or the bottom four but actually these are teams that can frustrate Spurs and then when we look at, um, at what Kane has offered recently um, I'm going to talk a little bit about expected uh, goal involvement. Well, I've got, I've got the last um, four matches stats up, so I don't know if they tally yeah, with what perfect. you've got. But okay, so I've got the expected yeah. goal involvement. I've sorted it by, but this is all the. I've got a whole range of stats here. So we've got big chances, goals, assists, chances created. Last four matches. So yeah, um, where are, are Kane and Son? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they're significantly below a lot of the other mm. options that arguably have fixtures that suit them better or are in better form. So, I mean, obviously, Gundogan, Fernandez, Salah, Sterling, Calvert-Lewin, Werner, Vardy, mm. Barnes, Madison. I mean, that's all showing that they um, have had better um, quality chances or mm. have provided better quality uh, potential assists than the two Spurs guys. Uh, some of those guys, in my opinion, have better fixtures, which I guess we'll come on to in a minute. Um, in terms of minutes per expected goal involvement, I, I just sorted the whole Premier League 
by Minutesborough expected goal involvement for the last four matches. And I discovered that 47 players had a better minutes per expected goal involvement in their last four matches. So it's not the last yeah. four matches because mm. it all it includes people who, who have perhaps been injured or like Jugo Jota is in there, for example. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, if if you want to get because we've had because the game weeks we've had some doubles and stuff, you have to click last four matches. For, otherwise, yeah, for for, for stats fans on Fantasy Football Scout, don't look at last four game weeks if you want to compare two players or different players from different teams because at this stage of the season they're not going to have played exactly the same. Some will have exactly. played three, yeah. some will have played two. Last four matches that will throw up, as you say, some injured players or players that have been injured for some time. But yeah, so that, yeah, great bit of advice there. Yeah, and and just, I mean the result from this is that there's just so many players that 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 basically should have or have scored better than mm. Kane. And uh, you know, I mean, in terms of Son, I mean he's even further down the list. Um, mm-hmm. I have to scroll like an extra thirty players to then get to Son. Minutes per expected goal moment uh, last four matches for Son every four hundred eight minutes, which is basically more than four matches. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's for for me. I, I mean, the thing is. Spurs could come into this game weekend and and Kane gets you a double figure haul. Yeah. But what we what we have we have to make these decisions on or managers like me and you I think we make our decision making decision making process is very similar. Mm. Um we we want to be looking at a player that's top end for yeah. expected goal involvement, you know, they they should have been scoring mm. um you know decent points in the form that they've had going up against a team that has been trounced yeah. quite convincingly relatively recently. Now Burnley that can happen against the top four sides. So we're yeah. just going back to those expected goal conceded figures. You know, their last four matches, they haven't exactly been against, you know, incredibly difficult oppositions. West Brom, Fulham, Palace and Brighton. Mm. So maybe that forms a part of it. But, you know, they, they lost they lost 2-0 to Man City. They lost 2-0 to Chelsea. They lost 1-0 to Liverpool. They weren't, either, the point is, they weren't completely trashed. And the thing with Fulham, again, that they're sort of in a similar boat. They basically... Um, it's quite rare now that they actually can see more than one goal, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Parker knows how to basically frustrate teams. Yes. They drew 1-1 with Spurs. They lost 1-0 to Chelsea. They, they drew 1-1 with Liverpool. You know, this is a team that can actually frustrate the big teams. So if Spurs aren't in form and their opponents know how to frustrate big teams, then I just I just can't see how he's a runaway captain no. candidate. No, he's... You know, um... He's, he could be a good one, but not a runaway one like the polls suggest. To go back to the old swords and shields um, metaphor, uh, I consider Kane a shield pick. I'm considering getting him in, but that's because his ownership will be so high because he will be so massively captained. That if he gets a goal, it's going to cost me. If he, if he, if I own him, it and his effective ownership is over a hundred percent. Um, as in, as in, you know, lots and lots of his owners are captaining him, which I expect will happen. Um, then, you know, the, the the damage is going to be limited there. If I indeed captain him, then I'm then happy days if he does well. But as you said, I don't know if he will. These are tough fixtures. Burnley can frustrate. Big chances conceded last four, two goals conceded, two. I mean, this is not this is not a team that gets hammered. Um, Fulham. They have conceded five big chances. I mean, bearing in mind Liverpool have conceded 14. and full, So that makes Fulham pretty good in terms of big chances conceded in comparison. They've only conceded one goal in the last four. So this is this is really good. These are really good defensive stats. And when you assess Spurs, we've watched Spurs with, with under Mourinho. I mean, they're not a free-flowing, attacking, gung-ho, Bielsa, Leeds, murder ball side. 
they're a go one nil up and then just sit back lads and then <laughs> concede and then draw yeah, one all absolutely. that's the t- kind of team they are um, yeah well, one other thing I just wanted to just add in as well, because we've mentioned about the defences. We haven't really talked about the goalkeepers in mm. as much detail. Okay. And uh, I've, I've, so what I've just gone into the members area to have a look at is expected goals prevented this season, okay. um, which uh, just to anyone who doesn't necessarily understand the stat, it's a metric that measures the quality of chances that goalkeepers saved. Yes. So when a goalkeeper saves a big chance... You know, typically the better goalkeepers are capable of doing that. You you would generally say, as a general rule, across the whole season. Um, so it means that anyone with a high xG prevented is a goalkeeper who has um, helped a team co- who's conceded maybe lots of chances still keep their clean sheet. So we saw with Dean Henderson, his figure for this last season was massive because Sheffield United mm. conceded chances, he stopped them. Him leaving basically is the reason they can't defend anymore or can't keep mm. clean sheets. Yeah. This season, the top two goalkeepers for expected goals prevented. Plus 5.2 in second place is Ariola of Fulham. Okay. And top with 6.5, plus 6.5 is Nick Pope. Brilliant. Burnley. So it means that Harry Kane is going up yeah. against the two best goalkeepers mm. based on expected goals prevented. So even if Spurs completely dominate this game mm. and they unleash a shower of shots yeah. at Burnley and Fulham, there's a higher chance that they don't score than if they were facing yeah. any other eight of the other 18 teams in the league. Mm. And let's also not forget that Spurs haven't been unleashing showers of shots on goalkeepers of late. Yeah. So th- that for me is why I... I, I get the whole fear of missing out on Kane, but I do think there's a massive opportunity here. If you don't break your team to get mm-hmm. him in and captain someone else, you actually might possibly yeah. be better or, off. Or you can go the, the ground I'm considering, which is get Kane in, but don't captain him. He's a, simply a shield pick. He's to mitigate against any possible hauls from Kane. But as, as you were saying, in comparison, I'm not sure I expect a massive haul from Kane compared to the others. I'm going to put those expected goal involvement stats back up again. Last four matches. Because there's a player in there that is in both our teams and, and, and is currently our bus captain. Um, so it's our captain, you know, in case tragedy happens with a bus and ourselves. Um, this, is, this, is, this is the person we're captaining. He's someone a bit higher up. Last four matches, four big chances, expected to be involved in a couple of goals. He's in fact scored a couple of goals in his last four. And his expected goal non-penalty so he's not on penalties, is 1.71. So it's ne- nearly a couple of couple of goals there. Um, but he's he's higher. He's high, way higher than Kane and Son. And it's Calvert-Lewin because he's got the best fixtures. I mean, let's put those fixtures back up again. Um, Everton, Southampton and West Brom. I mean, the, when you're talking about defences, Burnley and Fulham defences are much better now. West Brom and Southampton defences, they're still conceding. They're still conceding a lot. Um yeah, he's back in the team. I mean, he got a return from the bench against Liverpool. We both were talking about him last week, saying we'd quite fancy Calvert-Lewin against Liverpool. So, yeah, why... Why? I mean, I've said a bit about why I'm captaining <laughs> or thinking of Captain Calvert-Lewin, but why are you? Yeah, I mean, very much the same as you there, Joe. I mean, I'm not completely decided yet because, mm. um, you know... Uh, I don't like to make my decision completely at this point of the week. But as you said, the, my instinct when I just looked at the fixtures mm. what was his because of um, the two teams stood out to me, not as teams who are necessarily in an awful part of the table, although, of course, West Brom are, because um, I think that's what people think when they just look at Burnley, uh, yeah. Fulham for, for Spurs. Having spent all my like working time in the members area, I, it's quite easy for me to see Southampton and go, oh, OK, here we go. Because um, last four matches still, they're in the bottom three for expected goals conceded. 
Um, West Brom have, have sort of mildly improved. Theirs is um, 3.77. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so there's something like the seventh best. Mm-hmm. So potential improvements there, but we we haven't really seen them, you know, become uh, the mm. Allardyce, I guess, team of old and actually kind of start to capitalise on those things. Um, you know, it's kind of impressive because they have played United and they have played Spurs, but they're, but they're teams that I think they're prepared to set up shop against mm. and just defend. Whereas possible that they kind of maybe feel that they can go for Everton because actually Everton's own defence is Mm. not brilliant Uh, Everton's uh, defence last four is the fourth worst for expected goals conceded so it's you know I would expect West Brom to overstretch themselves a little bit more against Everton than we um, uh, yeah we expect West Brom to overstretch themselves against Everton more than they did against Spurs and United so but to be fair, even just the Southampton fixture alone is one I quite yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, look at them. They have big chances conceded. Only Liverpool have conceded more. They've conceded 12. They've conceded 15 goals. And their expected goals conceded is just under eight. So, I mean, that includes that. that I think that includes the Manchester United result. So, yeah, um, so but that's yeah, still, we, we've talked about this before, it doesn't actually dramatically skew their underlying stats. Um, it does it, it does skew the goals conceded. <laughs> But in terms of their underlying stats, they're still really poor. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think Calvert-Lewin has the better fixtures. I don't know what entirely to expect with Everton. And I'm going to be yeah, watching the, the Southampton-Leeds game just to see. I want to see what sort of Southampton defence turns up. Because it's yeah. that fixture I'm thinking of more than the West Brom one. But I do like the West Brom one as well for Calvert-Lewin. Yeah, I think people should definitely just keep an eye on what formation um, they they go with or have gone with, depending on when you're watching this. Um, <laughs> uh, for um, for the Leeds game, Southampton that is, um, because they've had a slight issue recently in terms of personnel, which okay. um, initially was one of the reasons why they were conceding so badly. Because obviously mm-hmm. they, um, yeah, they conceded uh, so badly against. United, to be fair, because they had someone sent off right near the beginning, but they they've had uh, problems in the fullback areas, which we've we've documented that in quite a lot of detail of late. Um, but they played with a slightly different setup, dare I say, against Chelsea, where they put Bednarek at right back. So when you've got someone like him who you can, he's not the slowest guy in the world, um, and sometimes when you play a fullback at a player centre back at uh, fullback you sometimes end up with um, a team that is actually slightly more secure than you might expect because he's not he's not adventurous enough to go forward and leave gaps. Mm-hmm. So when Southampton have played people like Valerie at right back, but this is when Walker-Peters is not around, of course, um, they expose themselves because Valerie doesn't have the discipline mm-hmm. to come back and defend, defend properly if he's going to go forward and create some opportunities. Um, even Walker-Peters, I mean, Walker-Peters, I think, is a good player, um, but he's always got his mind on what's in front of him as well as what's behind him. So he's thinking about two things. Bednarak isn't the kind of guy that's going to bomb forward and start putting crosses in. So... If, so we need to we need to keep an eye on what happens in the Leeds game because if they go with that um, setup again, which by the way, when Bertrand goes forward, can become a back three oh. as well uh, because they're three centre backs, they can cope with that quite nicely. Because um, I didn't think Chelsea opened them up anywhere near as much as we expected them to in game week twenty five. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still think that they can get turned over. The stats mm. suggest that that has happened, but we just just want to keep an eye on mm. what the defence gets up to against yeah. Leeds then pair that with what they did against Chelsea. And this is what I mean about decision-making press on Calvert and I'm not quite there yet. Is yeah, yeah. If I see something against... Because we know what Leeds are like. We know what they're capable of doing. If Leeds don't completely turn Southampton over 
um, when they're in possession and, and expose gaps between them, then it makes me a little bit concerned that maybe Everton can't uh, get as much as I want out of this as well. So, yeah, definitely be keeping an eye on what happens with Southampton this week. Yes, definitely. Um, so I'm just looking at um, some of the other options as well. So Calvert-Lewin is in the mix for us, but we want to check out those defences a bit more. Um, and, and I think, obviously, the Southampton defence is key. Um, but looking at some of the other um, some of the other matches um, taking place, so I'll go back to the fixture difficulty again. And a bit further down is Manchester United there, Chelsea and Crystal Palace away. Fernandez is going to be hugely captained, and he's hugely owned. And in a normal game week, um, if you don't captain him, you're looking at a red arrow if he scores. So yeah, what do you think about Fernandez for the captaincy? Yeah, that's absolutely the way I'm looking at it. He has been a drain on my team for several weeks, despite him being in my team, and it's so frustrating. I mean, that may change. If if if, if Leeds and Southampton assets do come off in game week 25, then maybe it's not so much of a problem. But he was kind of people kind of laughed at anyone who suggested they might captain Fernandez over Bamford, for example, in game week 25. And one game in, he's got 12, 12 points, I think it is. He's got a double-figure hole because he's got another goal and assist. And he's so consistent. And he's 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 I don't I don't want to say he's jammy because he's a quality player and United are a team that create their own luck I think with the way that they play, um, but he's the kind of guy that will have a bad game and still come away with twelve points and and he's done that consistently, you know he it's not like it, at this point it doesn't feel like overperformance mm. against XG or anything like that he is just the kind of guy that is just going to get you something and so then when it's a double game week that makes me even more inclined to just go with him, especially when I think about Kane mm. uh, and needing to protect against him. I think possibly the best way to protect against Kane, other than owning Kane and captaining Kane, I think is possibly to captain Fernandes because of the damage he can do to someone who mm. doesn't, who owns Fernandes and doesn't mm. captain him, because I've been one of those guys for several weeks now. The fixtures themselves obviously aren't amazing. Um, it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit like Southampton's game week they've just had in that it was one one hard game mm. and then one nice game. So Chelsea's defence, as we all know, very good over the last four. They've got the best XGC of any team in mm. the Premier League over the last four. It's better than Man City. Mm. So it's close, but either way, Chelsea yeah. are the best for that. Um, you know, Southampton obviously scored against Chelsea, but outside of Minamino's goal, I wouldn't have said that Southampton caused them too many problems. Um, United generally against the bigger teams mm. um, don't do... They, they they play a different game and I kind of mm. talked about it on the scout cast as a reason why I might sell Fernandez. but now he has a double I, I won't be doing that but mm. I would still have my concerns over the Chelsea game being anything other than 0-0 because yeah. just going over the games that they played against big teams this year obviously they lost 6-1 at home to Spurs and I think that's what sparked the change in, in Solskjaer because then game week 6 Chelsea 0-0 uh, then game week seven, Arsenal, they lost 1-0, but it was a really dull game mm -hmm. and the only goal was the Bamiyang penalty. Then game week 12, Man City, 0-0. Um, you know, game week 19, Liverpool, 0-0. Game week 21, Arsenal, 0-0. These big games, Solskjaer has more of a Mourinho in him than mm. perhaps people can give, give him credit for. Um, he knows how to set United up in a way that doesn't leave them exposed. And the key component in that in my opinion, people may disagree, is actually Bruno Fernandes and his role within these games. Yeah. He is a fantastic creative player. He's a fantastic goal threat. We know what he is going forward, but he's actually one of Man United's best players whenever I, I watch, uh, watch a full game rather than just the highlights, mm. especially against the big teams of tracking back yeah. and, get, and rolling his sleeves up, getting his hands dirty and winning the ball back uh, in defensive areas. 
Some people say that Pogba raises the ceiling of this Man United team. Well, Fernandez raises the floor of this Man United team. Okay. And he's a big guy for doing that, which obviously damages his threat. But of course, if he's going to play Crystal Palace, fantastic. Because mm. in the last four matches, their XGC is the second worst in the league. Obviously, they really should have lost to Brighton mm. on Monday night, and they didn't. Um, I would imagine that Man United are probably a little bit better at converting their chances mm. than Brighton. And I'm going to say no offence, but I also feel like you probably agree with me on that, Joe. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, I, I look at the the Fernandes fixtures, and I think I, I think when it's, when a team is playing or, or a captainable asset is playing against either Manchester City or Chelsea, it's a sort of well, I'll probably take two points to be honest, <laughs> um, and hope they don't get booked. Um, but it's not a, one I would target for for big returns. But at the Palace game, possibly. Definitely. So in terms of big chances conceded last four matches, they've conceded nine big chances and they've conceded six goals um, and nearly six on the expected goals conceded. So they're sort of on par for the course. Um, what I found interesting, though, in the Brighton game, which was a surprise result, considering I believe they had two, Chelsea had two, sorry, Crystal Palace had two touches in the box um, right. and scored. Both goals. <laughs> <laughs> which was very similar, I believe, to one of the matches last season against Brighton. I think they had one shot and it was a goal. Um, Zaha, and I think that was it. Um, but what I found interesting was some of the comments um, that uh, Gary Cahill was making, the, the Crystal Palace defender. Um, so bearing in mind that in terms of defending uh, against Brighton, they still conceded three big chances. They did concede once, but the expected goals conceded was also just under three. So they're still shipping a lot of big chances. So they are still a team for a quality player like Fernandes to target. But this was what oh, I found interesting. As Gary Cahill says, said, the last couple of results have not gone our way. Yeah, of course. Um, and performance-wise, we have not been at it. We went back to basics today defensively. There was some old school defending out there today, putting bodies on the line and defending as a team, every man doing his job. Now, that worries me as someone who is considering captaining someone playing against them, because that implies they've had a complete change. They've had a complete form. Um, they've looked back and they've thought, right, that's it. <laughs> Let's just go massively defensively. We are not going to attack so much. They've still got a couple of goals. But as we said, two penalty. They're not going to score two goals from two touches a match consistently. That's just not going to happen, especially like a team against a team like Manchester United. So I look at that and I think, I don't know what to make of it. And it puts, puts an element of doubt in my mind. I think Palace, yes, they're there for the taking, for, for the Fernandez captainers. But at the same time, it worries me they're going to go ultra defensively. And we've seen Palace before when they go when they're in ultra defensive mode, which Gary Cahill's quote indicates that's the way they're going. I'm thinking, oh, no, <laughs> is that going to be another boring match? Um, his quotes actually make me want to play <laughs> Mitchell, not captaining Mitchell, who may well be part of that more defensive plans because when I look at Palace, one of the key things about defence I look at is, yeah, probably best remove Van Arnholt and put Mitchell in. That's the way they go. And so I think this could be good for Mitchell owners in the double game week, not to captain, but that's Fernandes. Um, but there are other sort of old stages, reliable, uh, historically reliable captaincy shouts as well. And looking at the fixture difficulty, um, of course, there's City, but there's Liverpool as well. And they've got that Chelsea game and that's what makes puts me off Salah but they have the Sheffield United game 
And Liverpool are in a slump of form, but all it takes is a, is a click of the fingers with a team like City, Liverpool, Manchester United, the big Chelsea indeed, and their form can switch because they've got the players to do it. But, it, I mean, it's, are we sleepwalking away from Salah as the captain? Meanwhile, all those who are perhaps not as engaged as we are in looking at these underlying stats are thinking, well, it's just Captain Salah who's got a double game week. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, it, it's possible. Um, I think the the big thing for me really with Liverpool is where the fixture mm. is these days because they seem to be really bad at Anfield. And I, oh. most teams are worse off away at home at the moment anyway. Away matches seem to be where teams are picking up a lot of their points. Um, but I had a little bit of a look into Liverpool's home form uh, after they lost to Everton because they really offered very little. And even Jamie Carragher mm. said... Liverpool's defensive problems have been well documented this year. Everybody knows how to talk yeah. about that. But the offensive ones, he actually said, were a bigger issue. Now, that's not for me to decide. I mean, I'm not here to say which is a bigger problem for Liverpool because we don't really care. No mm. offense, we're not here to talk about football. We're here no. to talk about the fantasy. Yes. But if he has concerns about the attack, then we should listen. Um, in the last six matches at home, Liverpool scored two goals, um, which uh, is the uh, joint worst in the Premier League. Okay. So when they're at Anfield, they are, it's not a fortress at all. It's not even it's not even like a crumbling one. It's just like a field these days, probably because the fans aren't there. But it makes a big difference. At home, they they are still getting some big chances. They've had nine big chances at home in the last last six at home, which is kind of mid table. Mm-hmm. Um, but the accuracy is just is just awful. Yeah. And um, yeah, um, but. So the reason I mention it is because people might be aware of that, and especially with the Chelsea game. But away from home, they don't have that problem. And they're going up against a Sheffield United team that is without John Egan, Jack O'Connell, and probably Chris, ba- Chris Basham. That's so that's just... that's they're, that's They're all gone. They, they, Liverpool fans can complain as much as they like about having mm. lost Virgil van Dijk and yeah. uh, Joe Gomez and Fabinho. But they still at least have relatively first-team people coming mm. in. Yeah. With 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 Sheffield United, they're replacing these this unit that work together is better than some of their parts. Replacing them just with Championship defenders, to be honest. So, mm. um, I think there is a real opportunity. Liverpool can do something at Sheffield United. We've never really seen Sheffield United have to play without the Holy Trinity at the back. Yeah. So, with them all potentially gone, I think there's goals in this game for Liverpool. Um, last four matches, um, Salah has still had plenty of big chances he's had five which is yeah. the joint best in the league mm-hmm. his accuracy as I've kind of just talked about with those home games his accuracy isn't he tends to snatch at his shots a little bit more at Anfield so four shots on target you know about about uh, 15 players have had more shots on target than Salah um, but he, he does well away from home so combine that with Sheffield United relatively happy Liverpool against Chelsea could be a nil-nil possibly yeah. um, but then that's another two three points which maybe just tops yeah. it up so it's annoying because a lot of these guys have like one great fixture and one not very nice fixture. Yeah. So that's like United, Liverpool. Um, so Fernandez and Salah for me are sort of in the same boat. Yeah, um, it's a toss up between those two. Well, let, well, let, let's go back to that fixture difficulty again because Manchester City actually have two good fixtures in West Ham and Wolves at home, and also Man City are really good at the moment. I don't, I don't get a sense with Man City like I do with say Manchester United or Liverpool where they've got a tough game. I think, oh, that could be nil nil. It could be they could nick a goal. Um, but with Man City, I just think it's going to be four or five goals whoever they play. <laughs> um, that's the way they go for it. But as we said, it's it's that rotation as well. So going back to XGI, Gundogan. Five big chances. That's joint top for the last four matches. 
and his expected uh, goal involvement is um, just under five. So, you know, on par there. Um, he's had an assist, four goals. Um, and minutes per goal attempt in the box um, under under 40 minutes, th- every 37.7 minutes. Um, you know, he was, he, he'd be a great option. Um, Sterling as well, three big chances. Expected goal involvement, expected to be involved in just under three goals as well. So on a par, but... It's that rotation, isn't it? Um, I mean, is that is that what's putting you off, City? I mean, fixtures good, form's good. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does sit at the back of my mind um, and trouble me a bit. Um, the, the the problem is the timing of this game week. Mm. If this game week was maybe two or three game weeks ago, where we had all these, we had these exact fixtures yeah. and form and whatever, and then I would be less worried because Man City weren't having to think about the Champions League and you know the, the other competitions and Pep has a fantastic mm. chance of winning the Champions League this year. And is the Premier League wrapped up? I mean, no, obviously, mathematically, but, you know, Man City have got to be feeling pretty confident about winning the league. So there may be at some point a shift towards, instead of starting De Bruyne, Gundogan, mm. these big players in every Premier League game and resting them in the Champions League, surely there will come a moment when that shifts. The question is, when's that going to happen? Um I suspect, but it is only a suspicion, mm. that it won't happen just yet because their first uh, Champions League games against Munch and Gladbach, mm. and I think with their reserves, <laughs> yeah. they aren't really reserves. They'd be starting in any other team. Yeah, I think they can. I think they can still comfortably manage that. Yeah, we're talking Jesus, Torres, Bernardo yeah. Silva. They, these are their reserves. Possibly Foden as well. Yeah, um, I would be when you consider that De Bruyne is just back from injury. Mm. And Gundogan technically is too. I would be quite shocked if after those two both started in the Premier League at the weekend that they also played in the Champions League. Of course, keep an eye. And if you see them start and play 90 minutes, then start to worry. Um, So, as I said, my suspicion is that they probably can play Mm -hmm. significant minutes in both of those Premier League games. Mm -hmm. But it is just a suspicion and it is Pep. So, that is always at the back of my mind. We, We don't really need to go into too much detail or yeah. further detail about what they're capable of doing because we've already kind of shown in some of the stats. For me, it's a case of if you fancy one of these guys, do just go and make sure you keep an eye on the Champions League game midweek. And if we get rests for Gundogan, then I think he's a good captain shout. There are other options as well. I mean, we've already gone through so many options, but there's so many teams playing twice. Um, but looking at... I'm going to keep these expected goal involvement stats up last four. And there are other options, and Leicester as well. Um, Harvey Barnes and Vardy. Now, Harvey Barnes had two big chances, um, expecting goal involvement just under two. Um, but Vardy's had five big chances, and we've seen this with Vardy before. He, he's a bit of a stats buster, but but when he starts getting those big chances, then even more goals follow. So Vardy and Barnes, they play Arsenal and Burnley. Um, now, Burnley, as we've said, Nick Pope is capable of keeping anyone out. But it's still a reasonable fixture. Arsenal as well. These are good. These are good. These feel like good Leicester fixtures. Um, also, looking at Werner at Chelsea, um, he's had four big chances. But I mean, everyone's sort of had enough of in, in FPL terms. FPL managers have had enough of Werner. We got burnt early on, and we haven't wanted to go back. But very quietly, he's doing really well. <laughs> he's had four big chances there. He's looking focal to their attack. Um, he's got a manager who seems to be playing him exactly uh, where perhaps he should be playing in terms of getting those attacking returns. But it's those fixtures, Manchester United and Liverpool. And as we said, we both sort of thought mm, maybe it's going to be low scoring, we think, those ones. Maybe a nil-nil. Um, 
But yeah, just those other options there. I mean, what, what do you think of those ones? But also, are there any others before we go? Yeah, Leicester, I, I seem to have a bit of a blind spot for them. They, I, I didn't trust them at the start of the season and then they've just carried on ticking on and annoyingly I sold Barnes to get Sterling for the mm. most recent game week. Double-figure hauls. Um, yeah, in both of them. Very annoying. Um, so I think he can definitely do something. Two other people just worth, I think, discussing mm-hmm. because their their stats are quite nice. And these, these aren't people I'm going to captain. They're probably not even people I'm going to sign. But if you're going to free hit or mm. if you're wildcarding or you really just want something off the wall, but also based on something relatively reliable. Last four matches, minutes per expected goal involvement. Second best in the whole league is a Bamiyang, who is now mm-hmm. playing, we think, playing as a nine, finally. Um, and Leicester, um, yeah. And, um, you know, I I think they can, I think they can get something. I mean, it's a bit of a, bit of a punt because well, it's, it's just a one single game. Ga- but, single game week, yeah. So, but yeah, yes. Um, punt still. The other mm. one who does have two games, uh, is uh, Umbe Diagne. I uh, probably said that completely wrong. Mm. Um, he's the new Luca Dina, effectively, because yeah. his name is basically the same plus one letter. He's the fourth best for minutes per expected goal involvement oh. in the whole league in the last four. His mm. XG non-penalty is 2.76 in the last four mm. matches, and that's the highest in the Premier League. Um, and they are playing a Everton defence who we have discussed mm. not you know necessarily completely as airtight as we might think. And Brighton have shown on Monday night that it only takes two touches in the penalty box <laughs> to score against them. So, Frightening. So, De- is is the kind of guy that, you know, probably not going to be captain, but I always like to mention in this differential section, like players that you might not have thought of that mm. got some decent stats that might become useful to you he at some good. point. He's good, cheap. I Double game week. Six, six million, I think he is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think he is an option. I think I think this is the week where you can go a bit different with the captaincy. If you've got the main captaincy contenders in your team, effective ownership-wise, you're mitigating against any of those goals. But you can be a little different. That's why we're considering Calvert-Lewin, because of the looking at form fixtures, it looks, looks the best bet. But um, as we said, there's a lot of good options. So good luck, whoever, whoever you pick. Um, but... Yeah, so David, I mean, we've <laughs> this has been a long uh, captaincy <laughs> video and podcast more than usual because there's so many options and mm. and I think there are so many um, uh, players that can do really well that can do well. So it's one of those where going against the crowd could do could be a massive green arrow. But uh, but for now, David, thanks so much for joining me and um, good luck with your captaincy decision. Thanks, Joe, and the same to you. <laughs>